0: What's going on everybody welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents Marvel Pair Ups the history of the Marvel movies that aren't part of the MCU as always I'm your host Blake Schultz and with me is Jamie Girard hello and Terrence Tatum
1: hello everyone
0: and uh, if you are new to the show what you probably don't know is that we're going to watch every episode of What If and pair it up with a piece of Marvel's cinematic history before the MCU debuted and these other multiversal stories and how these movies came to be and what they did and what their influence was. We've already done Blade, which might be the most influential of all for the modern ones as far back to the 1944 Captain America serial. A lot of Hulk and we're going to do more of it today and right before we get started, I'm going to ask my two co-hosts a question. Do you guys stare at the Zoom screen or the camera lens when you are talking on these things? Um, I usually look at myself. Yeah, great. I'm, okay, I'm,
1: I'm, I use myself as the center. Uh, yeah, I don't. Good, good. I hardly ever look at the camera lens.
0: Yeah, same. I just did it for the first time and was like, "I bet it looks weird." Or it's how <laughs> you're supposed to do like, it. Like, hi, guys. <laughs> it's like, is that their eye contact to the audience or is it here? We'll never know. Uh, but of course we are at the fifth episode of Marvel's What If. We are halfway through the series, which I just think is a shame because I'm quite enjoying this. <laughs> and we are finally at what I think was a lot of people's most anticipated episode, What If Zombies? Taking from a lot of the Marvel Zombies comics that have been popular for years now and have always been a great time just in time for halloween almost kind of don't know why we didn't wait that could have timed up but yeah who cares right it's <laughs> september let's start watching scream let put and on the hard movies now yeah. malignants yeah. out i mean let's let's get let's spooky it. but uh what did we think of the episode
2: i'm not really a zombie person i don't like zombie stuff very much so it was like that didn't really interest me. But then once we got to zombie Wanda as like the biggest Wanda fan, I was like, oh, OK, zombie <laughs> Wanda. Uh, I thought it was I loved that like just how much like Wanda Vision love we're getting this year and that in like this universe he, that he would kind of give it all up for her. I enjoyed that aspect of it. And it was a fun team like to see Kurt with like Bucky and uh, it was a weird combo. Um, uh, I like that it started at the beginning of Infinity War and then just totally left turned. Um, I like the train stuff because one of the few zombie movies I actually like is Train to Busan. Um, So uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's just kind of the same every week. I'm like, yeah, that was good. Sure, I'll never watch it again, probably.
1: <laughs> um, I am a zombie. I'm a zombie whore. I love zombie. I'll consume everything zombie. 28 days later, get feeded into my veins. So I, I love, so I was, this was right up my alley. Um, and yeah, I love that it started at Infinity War and I died laughing when Ebony Maw and then just started getting just annihilated. I was like, this took this a weird, a wild turn and I am here for it. Like that was fantastic to me and kind of seeing it in shadows and you're like, is this what I think this is happening? And all of a sudden you're like, nope, these are zombies. And I love the whole sort of battle with, with <laughs> we keep putting Mark, Mark Ruffalo through hell. Hulk is just not hulking even in this version still. And so that was kind of fun to, to use him sort of as the catalyst that, that, that told the story. Uh, as he's the only one not powered, but also one of the only few that, that's not bitten. That was fun to see and kind of go around. Like she said, this, this very band of misfits, because none of these folks actually have ever seen each other in our timeline that we've seen or had worked as a team together. So that was fun. But I did really love at the end where that was vision was like, I'm doing this off of love. I'm like, yeah, y'all, I love y'all. Y'all great and all, but still, that's my boo and I'm going to do everything for for her. Uh, I love even with the world endings, like, nope, don't care, she and I.
0: I agree, I mean, I've I've obviously enjoyed it. We're once again at doing the thing that all five episodes have done where I just want more. I want the other 30 minutes for not getting, but it is interesting to see the Hulk still not hulking out. Clearly, whatever he's going through in Infinity War is still happening here. They're not getting along. I don't know what it would take to get that out. We have everything that you guys mentioned. Our train to Busan is always great. I love seeing Spider-Man and Wasp together. Obviously, give me all of the Spider-Man what-if episodes you want. I want to see him in that cloak way more. I loved his video blog about surviving the apocalypse. I The thing that I did not really love in Civil War was Spider-Man being this Star Wars geek, have you seen this old movie about it? And that's just such a long bit. He has to go through like the entire plot of Empire Strikes Back for a joke. But once we kind of established that he's just a movie geek and in our Infinity War, we like, well, have you seen Alien? And then we just do Alien. And then here where he like knows the rules and he gets it, I was like, oh, this is great. We do just have this kid who is getting Grindhouse VHS tapes, watching every movie he could find. Who is now plugged into the modern world of vlogs and how to do this, and is integrating that into his superheroes? And I am all about that. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're now doing our second episode, where it's basically like, did you know that if things weren't perfect, the Pims would destroy us? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm like the Pims will go left real fast.
0: <laughs> there, because you know I mean, what, did bother
2: me. I, I was annoyed that like she that Hope got bit, but then they kept her suit on. Take her suit off because she's gonna be a dangerous zombie because all these Avenger zombies still have their powers.
0: Why are you just leaving her with her suit up?
1: If you take her out of the suit, you will be fine.
0: Yeah. I thought <laughs> so that was like, really frustrating. I you know what that was like the weird disconnect for me, because I can't think of another zombie superhero example. And I don't know that we have one outside of these comics and outside of this episode but there was something a little weird about like how coordinated they were doing like Dr. Strange magic and Iron Man suit stuff. And yeah, that was like a bit of a disconnect to me. And I wanted more horror. Like this was a slapstick funny episode. It was, it was
1: like Shaun of the Dead style yeah. zombie stuff. And yeah, I'm with you too. I had that same conversation with my wife Post. She's also not really into zombie movies, but I'm like, I know these movies well enough that I can't think of a time where once you're bidden, you keep the cognizance of your brain to be like, I know how to do my spells and I know how to do my powers. My, my and I was like, yeah, that feels like I should have something else told to me to explain why that is still there because otherwise, it's like this doesn't quite make sense. But sure. in
0: some ways, I don't mind it. Like the zombie's going to figure out the Iron Man suit and he's going to figure out how to use a shield and. It's <clears> more <throat> so sort of strange. I'm like,
1: it's more so sort of strange and Wong that is kind of like that seems like that would stop working and Wanda too. and there's
2: like instincts, yeah. I also will say, I didn't really like the ending. I didn't like that it ended on Zambi Thanos. Zombie Thanos. Thanos. Um, (laughs) I I just, I I don't know. It didn't, that ending didn't really work for me. Um,
0: Same. And I, again, and you know, we've done a lot of like, but where's the third act? And some of it you can figure out, right? Like the end of um, the Hank Pym episode, episode three, we're like, okay, they're going to get Captain Marvel and Captain America and they're going to go rock Loki and his army. Great. The end of Captain Carter, you go, okay, well, now she's going to go do Avenger stuff. The T'Challa's, I think, had it also had a big tease of like, well, Kurt Russell's now here. All of these almost felt more just like, okay, cool, like we're going to keep going. But there was something about the way they showed the zombie Thanos that I was like, oh, this just needs a part two. I was
1: like, is there a sequel to this? Yeah.
0: This, the That because and the way he like frames it up and everything, there was just something about how it was shot that I more than any other episode needed the resolution. And I think part of that is also it's a weird disconnect of like I was thinking about it during the episode of where is Thanos? Well, he's going to go to nowhere with the Guardians and get the Reality Stone, but then all he knows is that the other two stones are on Earth, which means that and he probably we can safely assume that zombie doctor strange didn't go to titan to fight him so he must have arrived differently when he figured out maul was dead got the time stone and then went to wakanda anyways to get bit (laughs) like there was all of a sudden pieces of it that i i'm not even frustrated that we don't know i just really want to know and then right. there's, there's the Thor of it all. Yeah, not, Thor not in there at all. Yeah. And that's where I was like, oh, awesome. They're going to get to Wakanda and Thor's going to come down and he's not even going to care about the stones. He's going to be like, we got to stop this virus. And then Thanos is going to get him and the snap's still going to happen. But it might just be to get rid of the zombies. Because a part of it was like, oh, he's not going to get rid of all life now. He's going to kill all the infected people. That's going to become Thanos' like, agency. And that's going to be the tragedy of this. And then we just were like, well, now what?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> like, it is like, well, how they going it? Hank Pym's hair of the Hank Pym, Paul Rudd's head, Spider Man, half of like Black Panthers I said, Panther annihilated. Like it. Yeah. I did not expect Badwick <laughs> yeah, like it it. And that was really nice.
1: That was, yeah, that was pleasing. All of a sudden I was like, oh, I wait, he's still I think we're going to
0: get more of that than we realize now which I also was like, oh, I really think like, teed that up to be the end. And I'm glad that it's not, but I am now like, okay, cool. How much more am I getting? Cause it's just <laughs> when he, when he says the, like the, the, we remember the dead and they're still with us. I'm like, oh, it's just, every line is going to hurt more yeah. and more.
1: Yeah. It's like ripping a bandaid off slowly. Like, stop, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: and I feel like It should
2: have been his last, like they should have, Re, re like because it doesn't really matter the order and reordered was, like it, yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like that should have been his final his
1: episode should have been the last thing that we sort of seen because now it kind of is like oh well here's a little bit extra like we're getting yeah. bonus scenes but that was a great finale for him
0: yeah, i think this was <clears throat> this was a really good episode but it was the one that left me wanting the most because even things yeah. like zombie cap was done so quick and i was like oh but i want come on let's do 60 minute long episodes we're good for it we can do it like just give me that extra 20 minutes that's i'm like oh we need it unless th- these are just the universes we'll be in and season two will be a captain carter's sequel a star lord sequel, a zombie a sequel yeah which would be fine but like i still think that hank pym one is my favorite the murder mystery is just i think it's my favorite too it's right up my alley.
1: It's both a, jo- I mean, zombies. I guess is a genre changer too, but it's a genre genre changer, and it feels like it's the most unknown. Whereas some a lot of these other things, are kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, this is where this part takes place. This part takes place, and we're kind of following. We're just picking up the pieces and going left. That one was like, what the, what is happening? So I think that was the why that one sticks out a bit more than the other ones do. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, and it was the most. This is probably the biggest departure story-wise because zombies, but right. it's such a—it's so big that it's not surprising. Where like, what if Hank Pym was a serial killer? Is like, oh man, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's such a shift to everything without being just like vampires are here now. Yeah, that it—it it feels a little more grounded in a way. Uh, but enough about that episode. Let's get into some. Marvel history. This week, we are doing a property that I really like and a movie that I think is fine. We're going to be talking about the Japanese Spider-Man television show, uh, just really called Supoita Man here, I believe. And that's Influence, as well as 2003 Ang Lee's Hulk. And if you've been following our show, we're jumping a little past the Spider-Man movies and the X-Men movies, but we'll get there probably next week because that's gonna obviously be huge. It's (laughs) X-Men and Spider-Man. But before we can talk about the Spider-Man movies, we do need to talk about this Spider-Man show and its, its giant influence on both Japanese television and American television, and really both cultures in such a giant way that it's almost astounding that this happy little accident has really gotten us where we are now. So produced by the Toye Company, T-O-E-I, in May, 1978, running only 41 episodes until March of 1979, they developed a Spider-Man television show off of a very weird contract where Marvel and Toy could basically take any property of either's that they wanted and do whatever they wanted. I'm at it. And if that sounds weird to you, it is really because at the time, everybody's belief was our brands don't really matter. American audiences will never see Japanese Spider Man. How would that even be possible? We don't have DVDs, the internet, streaming, the ability to broadcast this. <laughs> Go wild. Yeah. Spider Man, re- or Spider Man, Marvel really only used it to bring over a few robots into some of their comic adaptations and the toy company made a spider-man television show that has one of the most comic book accurate suits and nothing else and that's <laughs> accurate about it. Ooh, it's weird i yeah.
2: love this show uh, I, I wish all the episodes were available because i would watch every
0: single second of it it's so crazy yeah, they used to be available on Marvel's website and have since been taken down and are now very, very hard to find. Have you guys watched this before, or is this your first hodgepodge of YouTube clips?
2: This is my <laughs> first uh, the hodgepodge of YouTube clips, and it was got first of all, it was like shocking how similar to Power Rangers was. And it makes sense because that's like Japan, uh, and like I totally see how this influenced Spider or Power Rangers um the weirdest moment though like when the uh, knowing that like he came from like planet spider and that's how and, and then he bit him or just gave him the powers was so bizarre but then like he became jesus the the spider the spider space spider guy who gave him his powers like was also jesus and i got really that's where i was like what is happening i, I need to see this in order and not just in <laughs> but and I love that that lady villain, very reader repulsive, very like she was like a sexy villain. I want more. I just give me the DVD set, please.
1: Yeah, I I love these these shows because it's very much Power Rangers, Ultraman, the live action turtles. Like they're all this is this is the grandfather to the, to those, and it's interesting because they shoot all these in one year, and then it's like well or we'll air them whenever the hell we want to. Like out of order. Well-
0: this one has a funny piece of its production in that the uh, robot they were using Leopardon got stolen halfway through production which is why they just reused footage. <laughs> they didn't make another robot, they didn't find it, they just used what they had. But it's Did amazing you how many it? It,
1: No. Wow. Of course not. But it's always amazing with those cuz those shows always do that type of shortcut stuff like something like that happens or they're like mm, we don't have the budget, let's repurpose this scene. 14 times in the rest of these episodes like no one will notice
0: guys we notice (laughs) i mean the dragon zord destroys the same bay every 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 week that (laughs) man rebuilds his entire life he is
1: a determined man
0: (laughs) just to hear that flute come on
1: (laughs) like that's Uh, my jam but yeah this is a weird just a weird weird show i love it i still every time that i see the suit come on through the motorcycle and he just like sucks into his body i'm like okay Sure, someone somewhere looked at the Spider-Man comic book and was like, cool, I want that outfit, and then just burned the rest of the comics. Like, I don't give a shit about anything else.
0: (laughs) Well, it was such an interesting thing because they really had no idea how to market this to a young Japanese audience. And the Japanese producers really believed that it ultimately wouldn't work, which is why they were like, give them a motorcycle. We got to get space in there. The giant robot will work. They just started repurposing all of this with zero awareness of who this character even was. They just did it. But, but you're right, they, a UFO crash lands on Earth and a motorcyclist follows his dad in and talks to Garia, who's the last patron of the planet Spider, and then gives him his blood, allowing him to get spider powers and a bracelet that creates his suit he is web-slingers, and of course summons Leopardon, the giant Spider-Man robot, which will be in Spider-Verse 2, apparently. So Ooh. get ready. <laughs> That's exciting, uh, yes. Very, very excited for that. And naturally, this was one of the first times we had seen a giant robot like this that fought a monster, the monster got bigger, they summoned the robot. And if that sounds familiar to you, it is because it is just simply the template for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This got adapted into Super Sentai, which is the literal blueprint for Power Rangers until we took that to the States and made what it is today. Again, repurposing footage from even Super Sentai for our own purposes. (laughs) They shot all of that at a, a park in Burbank and then just copy and pasted some other stuff. And it worked. I think anybody who knows the 90s, anybody who grew up at that time knows that, of course, Power Rangers was a phenomenon that is on my desk to this day with tiny little toys. And that influenced Terrence is right. We had the Power Rangers, the turtles had come out, and everything started to kind of influence each other for kids and for adults. And some of the action and sparring and the way they move is kind of what ended up getting molded into the Spider-Man movies that we had from Sam Raimi. In a very strange way, we sent Spider-Man overseas, and then when he came back, we went, we're going to take some of this, and we're going to throw it into this movie, and it's going to be awesome. (laughs) The show, of course, spawned one feature film for themselves overseas, and nothing much here except for a giant, giant television show that changed toys, (laughs) toys, <laughs> comics, cartoons. When you really sit down and think about like the influence of Power Rangers in general, even in the toys, this was some of the first kind of toyetic things that had the articulation they did that would then directly influence the Spider-Man classics toy line, which they would need to get the movie moving. So even the weird kind of brand awareness at how to get kids came from this entity. And I think it's great. I really am hoping it finds its way on Disney+. Plus. I feel like it'll show up somewhere if we really are getting him in Spider-Verse 2. Uh, obviously, this is the character we need in Spider-Man No Way Home way more than Toby or Andrew. If the third act of this movie had a giant robot show up...
1: I'm sold. It would be I the
0: best that. Marvel movie ever made, ever. really. Ever. I mean, like, this is uh, all I want now. I just want to see that Doc Ock tentacle, that pumpkin ball roll, and then I want Leopard on to come in overseas. (laughs) I don't know why that's complicated or hard to do, Marvel. You've done so many other things, but the one thing you haven't been able to do is make a solo Hulk film since The Incredible Hulk, which is my transition into the history of the Hulk movie.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Well done. Before we do that, How do you guys feel about Ang Lee's Hulk? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jamie, I'll let you start because I I feel like you're going to be more positive than either of us.
2: So I watched it this week for the first time since theater. So the last time I watched this movie, I was 13. And I remembered hating it. I thought it was terrible when I was 13. So I, and, and even like the 2008 Hulk, I'm kind of lukewarm on whatever. So I, I rewatched it and it honestly, it was better than I remembered. And I think it's because it's aged into like kind of a fun campiness. Some of it reminded me of the of the first Raimi Spider-Man. Um, and I really love how it's all edited into the comic book panels. I think that's fun. Um, my biggest problem with it honestly is like it's just not it's just not a fun movie all, overall. It's kind of it's boring. Um, Eric, I I used to love Eric Bana. Oh, he had that run of Troy and Munich when I was like 13, 14 and I was like so into him. And, and he's just like, he's so low energy and like dull as Hulk, uh, as Bruce. Um, Jennifer Connelly's good. I feel like Jennifer Connelly to Liv Tyler is a very lateral move, just like Sam Elliott to William Hurt's a very lateral move. The best upgrade is Josh Lucas to Adrian Pasdar as, is, is, General t- Talbot, but of course I'm going to bring up Agents of Shield. Um, but ultimately, um, I, I didn't dislike it as much as I thought I would, and I rewatched the 2008 Hulk right after, just for comparison. And in the end, I gave them both a three. I don't think the 2003 is much worse than the 2008. It's it's like it's not one I'm going to watch again for another 10, 15 years. But uh, <laughs> but it's not the 50th as, year. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as I remembered.
1: Um. <laughs> so the... 2000. I remember this because I was working in a movie theater, and like this was a huge thing because X Men. We'll talk about it later, but X Men Two was the same year, um, and so it was like, oh man, we got two Marvel films coming out at the same time, and X Men One it was the business, Everybody loved it. People were really what excited. a
0: simple time where we were like, <laughs> wow, two Marvel movies in, a in the summer. same year. What?
1: It's just unorthodox <laughs> like that would never happen but yeah and no no uh, we would
0: never get four tv shows four <laughs> movies and...
1: yeah um and i remember like loving x-men 2 and i was like okay hulk's next and i had a love i love the old tv series at the time now we're watching it i can see that there were some issues and i don't know why i loved it as much as i did but hulk was the character, so all right cool go ahead and watch this in my issue and i dug a good deal of this film but my big issue with, because I think what he was trying to do was be like a Greek, a Greek tragedy, uh, like a father son type of thing, and I think that works. This movie was released in the summer on, on in June, and the, for the first forty minutes of the film, we don't see Hulk. So there's a there's a bit of a problem um, when you're trying to release do a summer action vehicle and the main character that's on every poster, looking like a pretty weird Shrek version because he's I I don't like the design of this Hulk at all. But you you and you don't see him for 40 minutes in and then the first time that you see him again after that he's fighting dogs
0: he shreds those dogs
1: he does uh and it's just like I don't know who what this film it gets the beats of who Banner is and like the psychosis of him going in like the trap door I, I love that I also I dig the, the the wipes and the comic panels I was like oh Ang Lee went for something stylish and I kind of I kind of dig that it's just really really one note and kind of monotone and boring for a great deal of this film and until that last act sequence where he's running through the desert and just getting larger and larger i kind of just like i have checked out of this movie a long time ago um and i i i enjoy the 08 hulk a little bit more maybe because just because there is it still does feel like the old hulk show where it's kind of slow paced but there is actual action beats in there this doesn't really have it for me so it's a it's a mixed bag i like sam Elliott a lot like sam Elliott can do no wrong for me so he's yeah. great in this but you're right jennifer connelly who actually is typically a better actress than this is playing it very low note and i don't know if it's because eric was playing it down there he's like well i gotta match the energy he's giving me so you're we're so both gonna be just really insane. down like this yeah <laughs> and i was just like i i didn't this is why i never watched this film again um i think the direction is there danny Elfman's score is actually really solid in this movie i just don't know why this, why, if this was a movie, I always say this, this, if this movie was released in November or December, I think it might've gotten a slightly different um, reaction to audiences because you're like, oh, I can take this as being like an, an Oscar or an art film. But when you release this in the heart of the summer, people burn this to the ground and I, and I, and I get it.
2: I think that's a good observation. That's really interesting.
0: I, I don't think we were ready for a slow, melodramatic. Oscar attempt, experimental superhero movie in two thousand three. Two thousand three was a very interesting year because it was this movie X two, and I believe Daredevil was right around. The I think corner. that's in the same
1: same year. Yeah.
0: So we which which Marvel movies. yeah. Not I movie. mean, you were you were yeah. I was like you're at like peak Marvel and the lowest Marvel all in the same year. You're uh, this is sort of the beginning of the end of like. I don't know which chapter it would even be if, like, the serial to Howard the Duck is chapter one, and then like Blade, Spider Man, and X Men are chapter two, and this is like this weird chapter three. This is like this is the end where it's going to get bad Before until gets... Iron Man and Batman begins yeah. shows up. Yeah, yeah, it was like it's, actually it's it was about...
2: like it was like an anomaly. Like it didn't fit in. with not the... fit in. Actually, to this day, is one of my favorite comic. I still movies. think it's one of the best it's an ones of that. Incredible
0: yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I just watched Firestarter for the first time and if you haven't seen that, it, it just, that is X2. It's a fascinating thing to discover when you're like, oh, somebody watched Firestarter and it was like, well, we should steal this house scene where they come <laughs> outside with cops and we'll just have Pyro do it instead.
1: instead yeah. It
0: is It is almost a one-to-one but that is not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> so it's when you look at it that way, it is very odd and I still am very like kind of whatever about this movie it, it starts in the most like 2000s credits that for some reason x-men spider-man and this movie did where it was like close-up dreamcast graphics of genetics splicing jellyfish and i and starfish and i hate that and i, and I
1: watched this i was like who because you're right x-men does the exact same thing who thought this was a good idea to open a film with and then, like, let me put scientific terminology here and zoom in on this word. Like, I don't give a shit.
2: But you know, yeah, the OA they... Hulk is kind of similar in its. It is. Yeah.
1: But at least OA Hulk was like, all right, we're gonna skip the whole
2: Thank God. Yeah. We did not need to watch it all happen again. Yeah. That was what that was yeah. the best thing the OA did.
0: Right. Yeah, it's very, it's very odd. Because even that O8 Hulk, I'm like, it's fine. It got us going. It's it would be so much
2: better if it was Ruffalo, just because then it would feel in sync with the rest of the MCU and it more place. fun to watch. Yeah. Just, well, just... it
0: would also be a different script because Ed Norton wouldn't have rewritten it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who knows what that movie could have been? Yeah. But. Uh, Yeah, just kind of echoing everything you guys have already said, there's a lot that I now respect about this movie. I'm not crazy about the wipes, especially the pregnancy circle crying one. That is just only in George Lucas's wildest dreams (laughs) can we do a wipe like that. Because if there's one thing nobody really ever talks about about Star Wars, it is an overuse of wipes in the edits. (laughs) (laughs) And this movie saw that It was like worked once i don't know
1: this is definitely uh, one of those movies yeah. where you could tell that the studio was like hey he did crouching t- give him let him do whatever he wants
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> well you know taryn speaking of letting them do whatever they want the history of this movie is not terribly interesting because similar to other like we're now we're now in a weird place where a lot of just like the history of the movies is like sometimes it takes a long time to do but production of this movie started in 1990 right after the death of the incredible hulk Luferigno tv movie which was meant to be followed by a like smart hulk Ferrigno movie that they did not make because of bill bigsby passing away which we talked about last week or the week before so naturally everybody got together to figure this out they kept the rights at universal because they've been holding on to those rights and we're going to talk a little bit about that for Longer than I've been alive, Universal's been clinging to those. So, of course, in 1990, they write a script that originally was just going to be like, he's going to fight terrorists. And everyone at Marvel was like, we're not doing that. This no. was right around the time we talked about where Marvel was like, we got to, guys, like get back to the comics. We're not doing this. So after a decade of scripts wherein he was going to fight terrorists, the Abomination the leader. For a while, it was just three other scientists who were in the comics who were going to become giant insects. They finally were like, okay, summer of 1999, we'll compete against the Matrix. Why not? What could go wrong? Cameras start rolling and the movie falls apart. They bring in J.J. Abrams, Scott Alexander, and Larry Karazuski. To do rewrites of the script, trying to punch it up, add some levity and was comedy. Was it Banna, there are then? Quotes... Yes. By now, yeah, cameras are rolling. Banners there. They just don't have Ang Lee or the writers, <laughs> but everything else is still. The cast is there. They're ready to go, and there are now quotes from all these writers being like, "Yeah, they didn't know what they wanted. They couldn't decide if this was a sci-fi movie, a comedy movie." There were rumors that there were talks right before cameras rolling of changing it entirely and getting either Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey to come in and just make a comedy.
1: Let's do the mask again. I mean, <laughs> it worked
0: once. So finally, in like 1998, a year before the movie's gonna be released, they go, we can't do it. This budget has reached a $100 million. <laughs> which I don't have the budget of what it ended up being in front of me, but that really means that Universal just took a bath. They yeah. had already spent 20 million of it on script development over the last 10 years on all these different writers. That's when pretty much everyone walked away. In 2001, Ang Lee showed up, repitched the movie that we have today, the Shakespearean tragedy, Father's Son. We're gonna do it. And we just talked about our feelings about it which are fine. And then four years later is when they went, let's get that sequel made. And Ang Lee said, sure, but I want to go do Brokeback Mountain instead. And there was a contract that they had to get those cameras rolling. So that got scrapped. Thank God we got and Brokeback the- Mountain instead, uh, honestly. I mean, what a, what a better choice.
1: It's yeah. a much better use of his, his, his abilities,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. So then in 2006, as we all sort of know, Marvel Entertainment becomes Marvel Entertainment. They're starting to grab their characters back. We're going to do it. We're on the road to Iron Man, which at the time was a road to Captain America. (laughs) And we're starting. So they bring in Zach Penn to start work on The Incredible Hulk. They decide before it's even part of the MCU to make it a reboot. We're not going to do it. We're gonna keep a lot of things the same, though. He's still kind of in South Africa. You could sort; it almost is a sequel. It really comes of yeah. watching them back to back. Mm. It's very interesting what they chose to keep, and clearly for a while, I imagine it was going to be like Angley's Hulk was quietly the first MCU movie, but we just didn't know, and now that's not a thing, right? As I just sort of mentioned, Ed Norton came in to play the role, rewrote everything, which is part of all of his contracts, which is why he's not the Hulk anymore. (laughs) And then The Incredible Hulk is finally released in 2008, second movie in the MCU. And while we're not really talking much about MCU stuff, it is worth mentioning that that is the last time we've had a solo Hulk movie. No sequels, nothing else. And the reason for that is way, way, way back in the day, Universal snagged all these television rights, got that one movie right, and part of that contract is what they call first refusal to distribute. Getting kind of under the hood of the incredibly complicated mess that is film production and distribution, Marvel Entertainment Company at the time and still today is just a production company which means they can make a movie and they don't have access to theaters, AMCs, international, all the reasons you need big movie studios. Paramount was obviously doing it up in Spider-Man 3. Disney then bought them, got most of its distribution back. But this is what became the problem with 20th Century Fox, with Sony. Some of them played better than others. Sony and we're not making Spider-Man movies together. It's it's a great time. They obviously bought a whole studio just to get the (laughs) X-Men and FF back. And, but Universal, for whatever reason, isn't playing ball. And what first refusal means is that whenever somebody sets out to make a movie about Hulk, anything with Hulk in the title, Universal gets to decide whether or not they want to distribute it, which means it's very possible that somewhere in the background they've tried to make a second Hulk movie and Universal's just like, we're not doing that. Nah.
2: It's funny because I do associate Hulk with Universal just because my favorite roller coaster is the Hulk roller coaster at Islands of Adventure. Uh, And so I always like make that connection.
0: I mean, it was like that was going to be their franchise and it was their television franchise for 30 years almost. It's why would you give that up? But, you know, they're now kind of, but I don't want to say butting heads because I just think they've given up. But the only way disney can distribute a movie is if universal passes obviously they're not going to pass because then they don't make any money and obviously disney is not going to buy another studio nor i don't think they could legally i also think of all the other studios you probably couldn't afford universal uh but so here we are i also <laughs> we're think to get him in ragnarok and avengers yeah
1: we'll just shoehorn him here and i put feel him like here.
2: we're gonna get a lot of him in she hulk and like that's the workaround is- yeah is just call it she hulk uh and work i think we're i mean we have to find now that we've seen shang chi um why is Bruce in, the,
1: in normal bruce in. why is yeah. he
2: professor hulk so like i yeah. feel like there's got to be a lot happening in she hulk about bruce. it's
1: it's interesting too i feel like disney picks its picks and chooses its battles like they've tried like they've seen the, the returns on the Hulk a few times and like look this yeah we know this is a name but this doesn't really bring in money like spider-man spider-man we can we can Fine, we'll go to the table with Sony because we know this. This is like the Batman to the DC. This is our biggest, our biggest guy. So, if they make a movie and they get all the money, we at least know that on the toy side of it and marketing side of it, we're going to get all this back. because Spider Man going to sell. They don't know that with Hulk. So they're like, look, we're, we can throw him in on the few parts that we need him to, but we don't really need to go into it with this Universal to get this character off the ground. We don't care that much about it
0: which is a shame because I think in a post-Avengers Mark Ruffalo world, there are a lot of people who are like, bring me the Hulk. But I I feel like it's also a weird character where most creative filmmaker types want to just be like, well, he gets mad. So we got to do something with that. And I'm like, "We need a we need a really creative person to get in there and do something really interesting and still have it. What I'm amazed by is that they just haven't, we figured like there's gonna be some weird legal thing where they're like, just call it Banner. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and then it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed that we haven't, they just haven't figured out a workaround, but Terrence is right. The box office returns on the Hulk are generally lower than other characters. It just might not be a battle worth doing, but you know, the return on the Hulk being low for Disney is the return on the Hulk being high for Universal, uh, which is, you know, numbers are weird. (laughs) so i could see why they're like no no no, we want that money and we want to keep our roller coaster (laughs) rights right who wants to update rides uh so it's a shame because i feel like you know we're mostly talking about the influence of shows and movies and tv but this is one of the first examples that we're probably about to get way more into of the example of uh the history of marvel's movies being directly affected by a time when they just devied up the cars to studios and some people are just like no we're good here we're gonna keep it yeah so nah but you know that was the loophole the daredevil was make a netflix show and then buy 20th century fox and then buy them (laughs) Uh, but it's pretty crazy because these are the first two characters i feel like that even when they weren't done accurately our Incredible Hulk TV show here and the Japanese Spider Man, they still worked. Like, there's just always something universal about who they are at their core and like the coolness of their characters. Like, there's just always going to be something about, oh, fighting the monster within and he, he has to have control that, you know, is relatable. Because we all go to nine to five jobs. And I'm like, oh, well, I can't Hulk out here. Am I right? Even yeah. though it's obviously not the same. And Spider-Man's just a coming-of-age story that everyone connects to and has that big theme that Spider-Verse is leaning into of anybody can be behind the mask, which is great. And I just but, think it's Spider-Man and the Hulk. One of them's a big green monster and the other one's Spider-Man. They're and it's cool characters. And they're
1: recognizable characters. Like, you know, when you see the Hulk, you know what that is and you know what you're getting with that. It, it's, it's weird because we, it's considered a flop just because people don't look on it well but that movie opened at 62 62 million which was very high at that point in time and it's still about oh, like yeah. 200 and some odd million dollars so it just had a huge drop the second week as word of mouth got out but people were clamoring to go to it especially after x-men 2 came out and they're like yes another one but it just didn't meet the expectations and that's why we look at it kind of as as a failure but the box office wasn't that terrible for it it just should have been higher because i think it's like 135 being to make Which is a a lot at that point. spent a decade, spending a
0: lot of money. Yeah. Then you know that's not even. They spent like two million dollars on just a Super Bowl spot to to start the marketing campaign. Correct. Wow. Like that. It's the return on that first Hulk movie is it's it's like what Batman versus Superman is now, where Mm -hmm. the amount of money it needed to make to be successful was insurmountable, and it just really is like just make your movie for a little bit less. I don't know. It's fine yeah
1: yeah if you you shave like
0: blumhouse horror 10 million dollars yeah
1: if you shave 45 to 50 million dollars off of that this thing is a a winner you're like all right cool we're good but when you get that high and then you you put p and e on top of that you're like well jesus this is a failure
0: yeah right yeah it's yeah that hollywood numbers are weird and hollywood contracts are weirder but you know it got us here kind of like these are the two characters that were fundamental in getting us into where the mcu is now and both of them struggled with like getting them back to marvel but what would this what if episode have even been if they hadn't figured out these weird loopholes there's just those are the two characters that you slapped on a comic book in the 90s to sell them and wolverine those are probably your three biggest marvel people for a while they were the only ones who. I said for a while that cards, was the trio. Yeah. yeah, that was the yeah. trio.
1: That was it. Like Cap, Iron Man were like C to D list characters. Like those were the big three for them. Um, and they would just stripe like Wolverine would literally show up everywhere they would put on. So like, yeah, that was their bread and butter. Uh, and it's interesting that those was the two that they somehow <laughs> lost all the rights. All to. three of them. All oh all yeah, all three of that's right, characters.
0: Yeah. which like kind of makes sense because obviously when you're trying to not be bankrupt and you're going to go to these studios and go here's a box of characters they're going to go the big one (laughs) like nobody nobody was like maybe we should buy blade (laughs) (laughs) except for new line who then made a lot of money they did but it's you know like blade set up the modern superhero movie which we already talked about but like hulk and spider-man set up everything else in pop culture through these two shows and this movie it's when you like think about the 90s and almost every television show we had they either accidentally connected back to this spider-man show or just very very openly were like it's luke perigno's hulk yeah and it brought audiences together in a weird way like my my parents and my dad likes comic books my mom was excited for hulk she doesn't care about half of these no. characters. Well, But like that, that was the show they watched.
1: Correct. I will say for the longest time, those two, Spider-Man and Hulk, were the, two, the longest two running that people just knew throughout decades. For whatever reason, whether it be the show, whether it be the cartoon, like something attracted them to those characters. And they were always sort of the zeitgeist of Marvel. Wolverine came a little later because the X-Men cartoon got big and, and he sort of exploded. But those were the big two for the longest. And so, I, yeah, people heard- of all ages knew them.
2: We're in, I forgot that Ferrigno is in both Hulk movies um which I lo- I love be, that It's like you're so big you're going to yeah. be a
1: security guard all the time
2: yes in 2003 <laughs> I love that he, his his cameos with Stanley yeah um I enjoyed that a lot um and especially now like he's he's he, I think we've talked about this on here that he's like not he's kind of spicy about CGI Hulk he's, he's not very next about he's it not too but
0: like yeah. we saw you cameoing in those CGI Hulk movies <laughs> you yeah, still got a he he check so voice. <laughs> Doesn't he do the voice in the Avengers? Isn't he the puny godline?
1: He is. He has been He's been, right. he's been well the voice then. of the Hulk a couple of times.
0: Uh, in, in, I think in definitely in the three. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't be that, man. It's also like, you know, the days of just having the, we don't have a Luke Trigno or an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I guess we have The Rock and John yeah. Cena. Never mind. We definitely <laughs> have the people who could do it.
1: Who could uh, physically do that, yeah.
0: <laughs> at first I was like well there's just nobody who could do it and I was like oh no there's people no who could do it it would be weird yeah. but because now like like Chris Evans is the side, like he looks Hulkish for right. a normal person so you can't just like if The Rock walked up next to him it was like I'm the Hulk Steve you'd be like "He's that the Hulk That's not he's the just Hulk. a little bit bigger than Steve yeah
1: no it's true like Dave Bautista is our drags now so you're like he's well, the,
0: yeah he's the
2: best bulkiest the MCU right. has and yeah
1: and even he's like, I'm done. I want to put on yeah. a shirt. I'm he's tired of working awful. out. he's so
2: great! <laughs> Ooh, that man is wants nothing to do with this shit anymore.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I get it. If I, if I was him, I would also be tired. Yeah, yeah. he's in his fifties.
1: I think he's like, I'm in my fifties. I'm done. Like I did not went through wrestling, and I had to work out every day of my life for for decades. If I don't have to do this, I'm putting on a shirt and never getting in the gym again. I understand that, and that's why. They use CGI characters for these for these <laughs> these characters because they're like we want to use you for more than one or two films, but you're going to get tired of this real fast. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> well, guys, I think that's our episode unless anybody has more they want to say on the Hulk and Spider Man and zombies, uh, which I don't, <laughs> but I do want more zombies though. I mean, and obviously zombies and vampires are coming. We're getting Blade back. I think it's time like the one thing that Marvel hasn't really embraced is its like horror roots that the it does have.
1: Stuff. Yeah.
0: We've gotten so much fantasy and sci-fi and you know, once we get to the Spider-Man movies, we're gonna talk a lot about Sam Raimi and horror, so put it back in. I'm an <laughs>
2: excuse to rewatch Drag Me to Hell, which I haven't seen since theaters. Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah. It's yes. a great movie. I mean all of these things, it is now like not that these have been like chores to get through, but now I'm like, great, now it's just
1: now we're in for the greatest. Spider Man, yeah. X Men, like, we're, <laughs>
0: yeah, it is about and we don't even need to rewatch be, those. You no, know?
1: a lot of those, like, I know no, them by I don't
0: need, I don't ever need to watch Spider Man 2 again, but I probably will. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna watch X Men
1: 2, I can, I can recite verbatim, and I'm like, I'm yeah. still watching this. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I'll probably watch it again when No Way Home comes out. <laughs> I didn't buy that 4K three-pack to just have it look nice. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Obviously, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can see all of our other stuff there. Terrence's reviews and reaction videos for trailers. Jamie is at uh, Podcast Zero at comicbook.com, where you can also read her work. I do another podcast called How Do You Figure About Toys? And if you want an even deeper dive into Power Rangers Influence, there's a lovely episode there that I probably should have re-listened to for this one just to research, but I hate my voice. So you (laughs) go forth and do it, dear listener. I'm at as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics. And the show is at Hollywood ADI. And we will see you next week for...